Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. Thank you that there's such a thing called the house of the Lord. Thank you that there's such a thing as the temple of the Most High God or the gathering of his people and believers and those who come to listen and to be taught his ways, Lord. The people of God come to the house of God to listen to the word of God from the man of God and to be able to receive your goodness for our lives, Lord. That we not be hearers of the word, but doers, Lord. And that our lives might reflect the reality of wisdom as opposed to the shamefulness of foolishness, Lord. We pray, Father God, that you advance your word today that we're able to receive and welcome your word into our hearts and into our lives, and that it would serve as a roadmap. You say in your word that your word is a lamp unto our feet, that we not stumble, that we not go astray. It's a light unto our path. We pray, Father God, for wisdom today to receive your word as a good seed planted in good hearts that give forth good fruit for the glory of the Father in heaven as a harvest of glory. We pray, Father God, that your word would be a double-edged sword and that it would penetrate the depth of our being so that we might be able to discern between our hearts, feelings, and emotions and the Spirit of God, which leads us to all truth, Lord. We pray that you be glorified and that there would be a fruitful harvest to be received as we receive your word and apply it to our lives, Lord. We glorify you. We celebrate what you did at the cross through your Son to bring salvation to all men, Lord. We pray that we might take that good news gospel to those who still have not heard. We pray, Father God, that your coming would be soon and that we would be prepared at your coming to leave with you. Be glorified today. And all those who hear this message, Lord, that it inspire them to change the direction of going astray towards your heart. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So a lot of people have to... You know, some people that are in the house obviously know the backdrop of how this all started. 1983, actually, my parents in a very crazy divorce setting, we were non-Christians, got invited to a Christian church, and all of a sudden, uh, we started hearing about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the roadmap of good news. The gospel means good news. And we started trying to figure that, these things out from the vantage point of being in the gallery, the, the the preachers would come. We met a lot of preachers. We met a lot of men of God. We started learning the ways of the Lord. And uh, my parents' divorce turned into uh, a healing and restoration and a honeymoon, um, which really marked our lives in a very powerful mindset. Um, so with such a plan and a purpose that we heard, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, that God had a plan and a purpose for our lives. This I heard super clearly. It's written, eyes have not seen. We hadn't seen any evidence, nor ears had heard. And nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God prepared for those who love him. So we see that God has prepared things for those who love him. The Bible says, if you keep your, his commandments, you love the Lord. If you love me, keep my commandments. Um, so the, everything has a practical um, putting forth of everything that God says. Not, not only that we, oh, I love you, God, but if you don't keep his commandments, your words fall on deaf ears. It's not reality. You're not living according to his calling. 
So I started praying, Lord, those things my eyes have not seen, those things my ears have not heard, those things that still hadn't entered into my heart are the things that you have prepared. Um, God prepared means he made them before we existed, uh, those things that he prepared for those who love him. And so these things are to be discerned spiritually. They're, they're to be, you have to become spiritual so you could understand the spiritual. And we started walking with the Lord and getting to know the Lord and asking the Lord, Lord, fulfill your plan for my life. Um, you have to know if you're on the earth, you would, didn't get here by some spaceship or some Martian, and you're not part of some evolutionary goo that started uh, evolving. God made you in your mother's womb. Galatians 1.15, uh, Paul says like this, ever since my mother's womb, uh, it pleased God to separate me, and he called me according to his grace. And that's the goodness of the Lord. From the time you're in your mother's womb, he has a call on your life. And the greatest moment in life is pursuing the call of God. The greatest, the greatest expression of who you are is fulfilling the purpose for which God created you. So um, there's, there's elements and there's all sorts of influences that are messing with this call in your life. And that's called the fight of faith. Faith versus fear. Faith versus the natural things. Um, the supernatural expression. When you see Pastor Kenny and his four children there, and it looks like they're the Partridge family, um, they look like, who put this together? God put that together. God put that together from a guy who wasn't going to go anywhere very quickly on his own. As he was living for sin and living for rebellion and disobedience, he decided at a very young age he wanted the call of God upon his life he wanted the woman of God that God had set apart for him, and he wanted to have a family that would glorify God. And so we have that fruit. Um, how long have you guys been married? 21 years. In a short 20-year period, you see the fruit of people who take God serious. And then if you ask me, well, why don't we see this more often? Because a lot of people don't take God serious. A lot of people fool around with their calling they're, they're not passionate and zealous. Uh, a lot of those families that you saw there are even families that came afterwards. They've only been here 10 years, and they're already seeing the fruit of what God wants in a family. What does God want in a family? He wants a serious father, a serious husband. He wants a virtuous woman. He wants a woman who respects her husband as she respects the Lord. So when you see this flipped upside down, and we see this often, that's one of our biggest heartbreaks in ministry when we have families called to a world-changing church, how many know that this is a world-changing church? And then they start fudging with what God has given us. God's vision for this church has not changed. If you're in this church, you should have a copy of the vision and saying, God, you brought me to a church with a world-changing vision. I want to reflect the fruit of that calling. Because the only reason that we exist was because God called us apart to fulfill a vision. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, he says, write the vision down. Put it on paper and, and let people be able to see what my purpose is. So if you're in this church and you have any other purpose, you might want to say one of two things. Either, God, I don't want to fulfill the vision of this church. I, I'm not, you know, you read it and, and it's around. You could get a copy of it and, and say, you know something? I don't want to be about, I don't want to be the church of the last days. I don't want to be the body of Christ. I don't want to be the bride of Christ. 
I don't want to be a godly husband, a godly father, a virtuous woman. I don't want to run after it. It says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that they who read it, that he may run who reads it. The only reason Spring of Life exists, and it was born 1998, God called us aside with a ministry purpose in starting Spring of Life. So here we are, 2022, some 24 years later, and we continue to say we haven't changed course. God is not double-minded in having started something and not finishing it. God's going to finish what he started, and he says, write down the vision um, within... I think it was April 6, 1998, when the Lord called us aside to start this work. Um, it was a Monday night, and, and as the Lord spoke super clearly that we were to be set aside to move in the direction of this church, verse 3 says like this, after you make it plain and let it be read so those who read it may run after it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. And we can see clearly now, 24 years later, that this is the bastion of family, husbands, mothers, wives, and children in Christ. Our, 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 our calling is clear that God wants to fulfill the purpose for which we exist. And it doesn't matter the families who have come here. And they've been the worst of the worst. And when they start pursuing this vision, you see healing, you see transformation, you see miracle signs and wonders, you see reconciliation, and you see fruit that is through the roof, crazy, crazy, crazy what the Lord has done here in 24 years. Now, just like, um, you know, it's, it's customary that when people no longer have marriage issues, they no longer have children issues, they no longer have financial issues what do they do sayonara buddy we we got our stuff and we're out of here but one small remnant of people say no i wouldn't have a marriage i wouldn't have a family i wouldn't have children i wouldn't have finances if it wasn't because we came to a place that we found restoration so some some and this is what jesus says he healed 10 lepers only one came back and he says, where's the nine? Well, the nine are out there in Miami somewhere doing something with their restored families, marriages, and finances. But they're definitely not here. And they're definitely not a part of what God is doing here. So let's read that other verse, uh, Habakkuk 2, 3. He talks about these things. The vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. It, it will show that what God started he had the intention to fulfill, though it tarries. That means though it takes a while, wait for it. Wait for God to fulfill the purpose for which he started this whole thing because it well, will surely come, it will not tarry. So we, we, have seen, we have seen glimpses of what God wants to do first and foremost through our family. Um, our family is evidence of the vision of this house. Um, our boys were one, two, and three. Christina had not been born yet. Uh, she was born into this vision. And she has grasped and holds tight to believing that God will do what he promised. If there was not a God, and if he did not keep his promises, we had nothing to wait for. But because God is real, 
and because he is awesome and because the last time we did a video about the vision of our church was 2015 um uh, about five years ago when we were celebrating our 15th anniversary no it's almost 10 years now right it's nine years ago i'm, I'm going to give a challenge to our media department and our creative people to have a video for our vision that will be 25 years into our vision uh, and update it because that last one was very powerful but yeah it's it's over um we we beat it like a dead horse but but god wants to do the work in his people that testifies of his reality and then we have the the altar expression or the other expression of people who are doing everything you can think of and when you ask them why are you moving in a direction that is not consistent with God's direction you ask them that why have you made it a preference to put a priority on things that are not what God's heart is in and they'll tell you just because I can that's the answer that people give who have no purpose in this life they're doing what they're doing just because they can do it and that makes for a horrible existence for living if you're just doing something just because you can there is no promise on the other side of your moving in that direction first corinthians 10 23 says there's a bunch of things that are lawful for me to do but they're not convenient they're not helpful I, I could move in any direction I want, I hope, and this is what my prayer is. You are not forced and obligated to be part of this vision. So that takes away the fear of you being imposed upon. Because I guarantee you that none of my children are imposed upon being the youth pastors of this church. In fact, a couple of years ago, I think it was three years ago I, I i went up to i went up to joshua and i said you're starting law school i went up to nick i said you just got married and started your new law firm i want you guys to sit down and stop being youth pastors they said no way buddy they say we will not have it i was thinking about the burdens of their studies professions careers marriage and they said no we're not going to unload the burden we carry in this house. God has given us a responsibility, and we will carry that responsibility. Let me tell you something. Not casually and not mistakenly, purposeful and intentional. They, they are serious about, as, as serious they are as getting married and having a marriage and starting their, their families, as serious as they are about that, they're serious about their calling Christ in this house. And while they are serious, what is criminal is that the parents who have kids in this house are not serious. They don't bring them to youth group. So there's always the, the contrast of those that are on fire for Christ and going on with the Lord. There's the ones that are just scatterbrained. They say they're in the Lord, but if you were to measure what they're really into, they're not in the Lord. They're, that's not their priority. They think they're going to help the Lord do something. It's not going to happen. And then you have the people 
that do not want anything to have to do with God. Because with every instruction of the Lord, they have another, oh, that's not for us. That's not for us. That's not for us. Well, guess what? It's not for you then. So you're not going to have the fruit of this house. It's not, your children don't have a passion for this house. They don't have a passion for this vision because they could only carry the vision of their fathers. And if their father doesn't have a vision for this house, with a passion for this house, with the fruit of this house, the children will not. We just had recently one of the young men who was here from the age of, he was here, he was born here, I think he was one year old, then he disappeared for 14 years, he got here at age 14, and now he's 22, and he just got a girl pregnant, and she's not married to her, and he has no finances to be able to get married to her. But he was here, his parents were here, and when he sat down with my son, and he said, my son with Brandon, Brandon says, I'm really concerned about you. I've known you my whole life, and I don't understand why you're set on cursing your existence. Why are you set on destruction? Why isn't you don't want the blessing? He said like this, because my parents sat in that church for 20 years, and they're a bunch of hypocrites. At home, they don't live what you talk about at the church. So I don't want to be a hypocrite, and I don't want to fake it, but I guess he doesn't even want to be blessed and prospered because now he's doing life out of seasons and out of time. Now he's trying to figure out how to get back and what, how do you build a house upside down with no foundation. And so these are the things that we carry super concerned. Usually in other churches, they would be the motive of a secret meeting amongst ministers. But in this church, I feel that we're all called to the same standard. We're, we're all called to be leaders in our own right, um, if you're a young daughter, you want to help your parents understand the vision. If you're a young son, you want your parents, because the truth of the matter is once you're out of here, then there's a whole bunch of other things that are taking place. I want to mention those. Now, all things are lawful for me. I can do whatever I want, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things build up, edify. I could do life in every direction. And this is where I want to come to this place to tell you that before we got to the Lord, we were living life as the world dictated. And my dad says, if I could be a prosperous doctor, if I could make a lot of money, if I could have a lot of land, if I could buy houses and buildings and cars, if I could travel, I'm going to be one blessed man. Guess what he learned? He was one cursed man. Because he had the whole world and he was losing his soul. And Jesus says, what does it profit a man? To grab the whole world and lose your marriage. Grab the whole world and lose your children. We talked about it this week. If you weren't here on Wednesday night, we, we found out that a gentleman by the name of David Siegel, he owns the Westgate Resort Hotels, the largest time-sharing company in the world. Um, he was building the largest house in America, 100,000 square feet cost a hundred million dollars he's one of those guys that when they asked him why are you doing this he says because i can he was one of the guys that says i'm going to live life without purpose because when you're living life without purpose then you go do life in every direction but what he did not know is that in the process of building his hundred million dollar house 
and having the largest timeshare company in the world, building a $500 million hotel in Las Vegas, the Strip, doing a lot of things, he lost his 18-year-old daughter to suicide. She overdosed on opiates. She was, she was addicted to strong pills that led her to her demise at the age of 18. So while you could do a lot of things, uh, we're not those people. And, and, and like I said, there's going to be a thousand people that will use this church as a launching pad to send their children in many directions, but not life. Not, not to see life as God would have it in that fulfillment. But watch this, uh, James chapter, I mean, I'm sorry, Job chapter 20, verse 4. This is written in the What is a Man book. It's a fairly, really early in the book because I wanted people to have it early. I feel that when people have something early, uh, maybe they'll make decisions quicker. And so in the book, What is a Man, I write uh, the whole portion um, in the first chapter of Job chapter 20. And why is it here? Verse 4, reading these verses and taking them to heart, will do a man much good to avoid many years of regret and sorrow. So we're fast forwarding. You don't have to become a mess before you found out that you were headed in the mess. And here, probably one of the oldest books in the Bible, Job. Uh, Genesis is the oldest, is the first book. But there, this is called one of the patriarch books, Job 20 verse 4. And this is, this is what he establishes as a premise do you not know this of old this is like this is old news that you should have known you you should have this highlighted in your bible you open up your bible to the book of job you go to chapter 20 you go to verse 4 and you start highlighting don't you know this this is from old since the first man was placed on the earth Man, there is something in the Bible that would tell me something that I need to know from the time the first man was on the earth? Yes! It's right here. You should run and tell your dad that today. Hey, dad, look what the Bible says. What's the Bible say, son? Well, it says that there's something that God put ever since the first man was on the earth. Verse 29, listen what it says. This is the end part. I get you the first and the beginning, now the end. This is the portion from God for a wicked man. This is the inheritance appointed to him by God. $19 billion a year are spent on fortune telling in America. $19 billion. People want, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. In Job chapter 20, verse 4, the Bible says that from the day God first put a man on the earth, there's something that he ought to know. What is it he ought to know? Verse 5, that the triumph of the wicked is short and the joy of the hypocrite is for a moment. It doesn't matter who you're seeing. Uh, I was talking to a man this week and he says, one of the things that really flusters me, he's, he's lost his marriage. He's, he's losing his marriage. He's coming here because he saw the bus save your marriage. Um, and he called and we met and he says one thing that frustrates me a lot and I have to be honest to you is I don't understand why the wicked prosper 
why do men who do things wrong, they end up living right? Well, the Bible says it's but for a moment. It's for a second. It's for a blink of an eye. The hypocrite, his triumph, his pleasure is not long lasting. See, he hasn't invested in a life with God, in God's purpose. He's going for the gusto of living the moment. It doesn't matter. So he's not married for a long time. He's not thinking about children. He's not thinking about grandchildren. He's not thinking about the blessing of the Lord. He wants what he wants right now. He could care less how he gets it. And the Bible says this, that the triumph of the wicked is short and the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment. Verse six, we know these things. Though his pride mounts him up to the heavens and his head reaches the clouds. Do you know anybody like that? Do you know anybody that just shot and they're like, woo, woo, look at me. And then that's right before the firework goes and explodes and disintegrates, turns into ashes and falls to the ground. It's for a moment. It's for a flash of an eye. It's a twinkling. And the Bible continues on to talk about these men who rather live without God. Without God. They, they have no purpose. They have millions of dollars. Zero coming to God. You, man, if I had millions of dollars, whoo, you know where they would be headed. They would be headed to advance the kingdom of God. In fact, a lot of people don't know this. When we wrote our first book called Restoring the Gates... And it's talking about loving what God loves and, and being, we were, we were on task. This was 2007 and we had done a series on restoring the gates, which were the gates that surround Jerusalem in the book of Nehemiah. We wrote this book, but how do we get books to publish a book? How do we get money to publish a book? I put a $30,000 mortgage on my house. I went to the bank. I said, I need $30,000 so that I could write a book for the kingdom of God because my treasure is to further the purpose of God. It's not to, my friends were buying boats. They were buying house, uh, horses. They were buying cars. They were buying all sorts. I was saying, Lord, you give me money and I borrowed it from the bank and paid them back already. It's already done. Uh, but this is what we, we made a book and it concerns the heart of God. And the first the first uh, verse in this book is uh, Psalm 137. We'll go there real quick. Verse 5. This is, this is the first. It says, if I forget you, house of God, let me forget my skill. If I didn't put God first, then anything my brain works for, let me forget it. Because I can't forget the house of God. I can't forget the city of peace. I can't, I can't say, I'm going to do this. No, you're not going to do anything. Because God is who allows you to think, to have skill to do anything. Verse 6 goes on. If I forget, if I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. So you say, what, what, do you, what are you really into? What do you really like? Usually your money tells you what you're really into and what you really like. Because you go in that direction. But he says, if I don't raise Jerusalem above my chief joy, what's it mean? If I don't have God, if I don't have the body of Christ, if I don't have the church, I don't have anything. My marriage is lost. If God doesn't build my house, if God doesn't take care of my children, if God doesn't finance their careers, one, one of the things that 
you know, my son was concerned. Uh, this is this is Nick. He's always been super powerful. Um, he, he's like eight years old, and he says, "Dad, I, I noticed that all the firstborns that are born in the Bible they're a wreck, man. Look at uh, Joseph's older brothers are a wreck. David's older brothers are a wreck, and and all these people uh, commit the the prodigal son, older brother was a whiner." And, and I'm the firstborn. Am I going to be a wreck? I said, no, you're going to be like Jesus, the firstborn among many. You're going to be a faithful son because you've always done the right thing. So, you, so the devil plays on you many things, but we've always, we've always had the, the, the desire and the passion to serve God. Listen, if we haven't gone further, if we haven't had a larger expression of the kingdom of God in Miami, it hasn't been because of us. It hasn't been because of us. We've, we've, we've dealt with so many situations, you guys would not even believe it. This is the favorite verse of everybody since day one. We go back to 1998, people would come, they would get restored, they would get healed. They were, they're on fire for God, and then they say, Pastor, I want to have a meeting with you. And I'm like, okay, they must be on fire. They're going to do something big for God because they want to have a meeting with me. Look, and then we sit down with them, and they say, we really love the church. And I go, oh, here it comes. We really love the church. So we've decided that we're not coming back. We're used to it. This is 1998, 1999. It doesn't matter. And the saddest existence of our life is that God has an answer to change the world. And the people would rather not walk in that reality. So you have all the other spiking the wine type of deal but we've been purposeful about this if you go back to job 20 he continues says though his uh, verse 6 though his pride mounts him up to the heavens and his head touches the cloud verse 7 his reality will be he will perish forever and he will go down the toilet he will be flushed like crapola down the toilet Sounds rude, sounds crude, but it's right there. Read it for yourself. Yet he will perish forever like his own crap. That's the word refuse. Like, like the stuff you flush down. Why? Because anything you think you're going to do without God, you might as well flush it down the toilet. It's not going to last. It's your device. It's not God's. It's your wisdom, not God's wisdom. It's your passion. It's your priority. And it's good for nothing. So we need a practical expression of something different. Those who have seen him in all his glory will see him no more. They will say, where is he? And we've seen this. Um, you could go back 100 years. And everyone who has moved in the plight to not follow God's call upon his life you see, he comes to nothing. His selfishness has destroyed him. Verse 8, his children after him, he will fly away like a dream and not be found. Yes, he will be chased away like a vision of the night. Verse 9, the eye that saw him will see him no more, nor will his place be hold him anymore. It doesn't matter who you think you are and what you think you're going to do outside the passion of God this first book was all about God you, you need to read it the people who read it have said this book will change America this book will change the nation we live in because it's a restoration of the house of God 
It's a restoration of the heart of God for his house. And, and the members of this church should memorize it and, and put it in their lives and pursue it as what God wants for his house. In every chapter, there's 10 chapters, it talks about one aspect of fixing what is wrong with the house of God. God is concerned with people. That's where a lot of people go wrong because they want to be made whole. They want to move to a faraway land and forget about people. Well, that cross tells me that something important about people, that heaven paid the highest price for lost men. So if you love what God loves and hate what God hates, you have to love people. Why? Because God loves people. And so our passion is people. Here we talk about the sheep, the fish gate, talking about evangelism, winning souls. The old gate, what are the old truths, the ancient paths to uh, pursue the valley gate, the refuse gate, the fountain gate, the water gate, the horse gate, the east gate, the inspection gate. Ten gates in a roadmap around the city of God because I believe that if we build up the things of God, God will build us up. If we concern ourselves with what God is concerned, then God will prosper your home. That's why he says, let my right hand fall off and let my tongue cling to my mouth if I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. What is your chief joy? And then take God to that level of expression. Otherwise, you stand to see here in verse 10, it says, the eyes that saw him saw him no more. His children will seek the favor of the poor. Instead of being blessed and prosperous, they're going to have their hand out and they're going to be seeking and begging. There's, there's children born in this house, sons and daughters born in this house to be princes that are going to be beggars. They're going to be wandering the streets as homeless people because their parents did not pursue what God wanted them to pursue. His hands will restore his wealth. Everything that he took, he will give back. That's what the Bible says. Verse 11, his bones are full of youth and vigor. What's that mean? But it will lie down with him in the dust. You will die before your time. When you decide to be wicked, when you decide to be a hypocrite, when you decide to walk away from God. There was a, there was a young man here yesterday, I was watching the news. Um, apparently, he is the brother of the former mayor of Miami. Manny Diaz has a brother who's gay or was gay. He was an advocate for the homosexuals. And he's the one that pushed in the right to marry gay people in Florida. He's about... 40 something years old he's dead they found him yesterday in a landfill god knows where buried and gone because the wages of sin are still death you can't sin and say death is not going to come and knock on your door as soon as you sin have an expectation for death to visit you and it doesn't matter if you're 14 15 or 16 if you sin the bible says your sin will find you out and we'll have a funeral service. And everybody will know he walked away from God. He decided to do life different. And we know this to be true. We believe this. We believe if we're obedient and we keep the word of God, the Bible says that you'll live a long life by you honoring your parents. It's the first commandment with the promise. 
You live a long life and everything will go well with you. But here, uh, verse 12, though evil is sweet in his mouth, he hides it under his tongue. Though he spares it, verse 13, it does not forsake it, but still keeps it in his mouth. Verse 14, yet his food in his stomach turns sour. It becomes like cobra venom within him. He swallows down riches and vomits them up. God casts them out of his belly. Verse 15, he will suck the poison of cobras and the viper's tongue will slay him. He's going to be out there doing things the way the world does it and he will lose. Verse 17, God had other plans. What were the plans? He will not see the streams and the rivers that flow with milk and honey. He's not going to see the promises of God upon his life. Because he chose to be a hypocrite. He chose something else to go in the direction. Verse 18, he will restore that which he labored for and will not swallow it down. For the proceeds of business, he will not get enjoyment. Did your Bible say the same thing? The proceeds of his business will not be enjoyed. How many people have proved that wrong over the past hundred years? They think that they're going to live life at large and walk away from God, turn his back. One of, the, one of the men, it was funny because he had a large business and, and he was like, man, look at all these people you have in the church. They're the weirdest people I've ever seen. They're so stupid. They're so foolish. They're so something. I said, listen, I want to take a trip with you on your next business trip. I want to visit New York. I want to go and see your employees. And why you don't talk like that about your employees? Why? Because he has the love of money. He doesn't have the love of the kingdom of God. So his employees are like matchless and flawless, but the people in the house of God, uh, I was told when we started the church, you don't want to mess with people's problems. Well, listen, if I call myself a Christian, what legitimizes my calling is like he carried the weight of the sins of the world that I also carry the burdens of those that are suffering. That I care about every lost marriage. When we have a bus going around Miami saying save your marriage, it's not because we're running a carnival or a circus. It's because we have an answer for all the marriages in Miami. We have an answer for husbands that are lost and wives that are foolish and families that are broken. What healed us will heal them also in Jesus' name. Our, we're about the Lord's business. We concern ourselves. I love the testimony of Ashley. Where's Ashley? Hanau. Ashley Hanau, she was standing with her father in, 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 a, in a, they were at a v, uh, CVS. And, and she was only tall enough. She couldn't see over the counter to see the girl. She was short. She was tiny. And she saw a big article that says, one million divorces in America. They had reached that level. And she says, Dad, these people need to save their marriage. She must have been five years old. She was already with the answer on her lips. She was reading the gossip columns. Ten, it was like one million divorces in America. And she, she told her dad, Dad, these people need to save their marriage. They need to come to our church. They need to get to know what we know. And it's not wishful thinking. Here, he continues on to say, they will lose the proceeds from their businesses. Verse 19, for he has oppressed and forsaken the poor. He's violently withheld a house which he did not build. Verse 20. Because he knows no quietness in his heart, he will not save anything he desires. <clears throat> Verse 21. Nothing is left for him to eat. 
Therefore, his well-being will not last. In his self-sufficiency, he will be in distress. Verse 22, every hand of misery will come against him. This talks about lawsuits like crazy. When he's about to fill his mouth, verse 23, God will cast on him the fury of his wrath and will rain on it on him while he is eating. He will flee from an iron weapon and a bronze bow will pierce him through. It is drawn and comes out of his body. Yes, the glittering point comes out of his gall. Terror comes upon him. <clears throat> the same thing that happened with Howard Hughes. One of the wealthiest men in America died senile, died totally loss of memory, loss of mind, fearful. He wouldn't eat from anybody's hands. He just went insane. Just one second that God lifts up your sanity and you're a dead, you're gone. You have no peaceful thoughts. And this is the expression of these who walk without God. He will flee from an iron weapon and it will still pierce him. Verse 25, it is drawn and comes out of his body, the glittering point out of his gall. Terror strikes him. Verse 26, total darkness is reserved for his treasures. Unfanned fire, verse 26, will consume him. It shall go ill with him who is left in his tent. Verse 27, the heavens will reveal his iniquity and the earth will rise up against him. The increase of his house will depart and his goods will flow away in the day of his wrath. You're like, man, why is this happening? And I'll tell you why it's happening. Verse 29, because this is the portion that God has allotted those that are fake, those that are not real for God, those that are not passionate about the things God is passionate for. This is the portion from God to a wicked man, the inheritance appointed to him by God. I, I shudder, and I put this, I put this in the first chapter of my book because you're going to either be a man blessed and prospered by seeking the things of God, by knowing the will of God, by living the realities of God, or your, your future is appointed to you by God. Every time I sit in an airplane next to a businessman, I grab my Bible, I go to Job chapter 20, I said, do me a favor, read this, and let's talk about it. This is the portion that God has allotted for men who walk away. So then the people that walk away tell me, Pastor, why are you cursing me? I'm not cursing you. You're cursed already. I'm not cursing you. You're cursed already. Why? Because you have other priorities, sir. Because you have other interests. Because God gave you his best and you are still trying to give God a discount. God paid full price with the blood of his son and you are bartering. Trying to figure out what you're going to do for God and have done nothing. Last Sunday, I had a man sit right here. He says, could I have some words with you? I said, yeah. We sat right there. He says, I've lost my business. I've lost my health. I'm losing my marriage. I'm losing everything. I don't know what to do. I said, he says, I've been coming to your church for six years. I said, sir, what have you given God in six years? And he said, absolutely nothing. So why do you want to harvest and reap where you didn't sow? Why do you want God to bless you when you are faking these things before God? Hebrews 1.9 says, if you love the righteousness and hate lawlessness, your God will anoint you and give you an oil of gladness more than your companions. If you really authentically love what God loves, who does God love? He loves people. What does God love about people? Saving them. 
that you would learn the four spiritual laws, that you would learn some type of evangelistic message to the lost, to win them to Christ, to bring them here, to serve the Lord where you serve the Lord. The God, your God, will anoint you with oil of gladness more than your companions. It's the promise of God for those who keep God real. When we, when we have compassion this year on those that are weary and lost, we're saying, Lord, make me part of a people that is prized. Proverbs 14, 27, when the Lord gave us the name Spring of Life Fellowship, he says, the fear of the Lord is a spring of life. To understand the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Everything that we do in this place is an expression of God's heart. It doesn't, people say, well, you guys don't do ministry like the people down the street. Yeah, the people down the street don't have a marriage no more. The people down the street, their kids don't see the glory of God. In Proverbs 17, 6, it says the glory of children are their parents. If you're seeing what God is healing in your family line, the glory of children is their parents. Children are, uh, a children's children are the crown of old men. Grandchildren uh, put a crown of honor on old men, and the glory of children is their father's, their parents' house. Your kid don't want a Lamborghini and a Ferrari. They want mom and dad to love each other. They want to see that family is true, that what God says about husband and wife is true, that God has established this in these days because these days are filled with darkness. In Joel chapter 2, verse 28, God told us that he would pour his spirit out on all people. That means that this is not only for Joaquin Molina and the Molina tribe. When my Bible says that the spirit of God, after this, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, they will speak prophecies. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men shall have visions. To have a vision that furthers the kingdom of God. You already made one million. You already made two million. You already made five million. When are you going to start putting God on your schedule? I'll see you in February, Pastor. I'll see you in March. I'll see you in August. I'll see you next year. I'll see you in 10 years. I'll see you in 20 years. You've been here 20 years and have done nothing significant that moves in the purpose of God. And so I was in my law practice and... I was like, Lord, you know, the church had already been born, but I was like spending a lot of hours at the law practice. And here in Miami, <clears throat> it was December, about 15 years ago. And I said, Lord, when am I going to be able to serve you full time? And, and what's going on? And two of the doctors here in Miami, two dermatologists went to, for a ski trip vacation to Vermont. And it, was, it, it became news that Christmas. Because they said, we're going to go only for a couple of days. They went for like five days, four days to ski in Vermont. They had the largest dermatology practice, husband and wife team here in Miami. They were sought out by the best of the best. They were the cream of the cream. And when they were coming back from their ski trip, their Suburban hit an ice patch. And it went up against an 18-wheeler. And the father died. And the four children died. And the woman was left in a coma for six months. And I saw that and I said, this life is so superficial. It's so, it's, so, it's so passing, it's not even funny. So I started packing all my books at my law firm and I came to the church because we still didn't have a, a pastor's office at the church. And I said, Lord, I'm done with my law practice. 
because this life is wavering fast and it's passing and I need to give all my time to the work of the Lord. So I left the lawyer there at my office. I said, you take care of all the other cases. I'll take care of the big cases and I'll finish them off. And it took me like two years later to finish all my cases. But I left my law practice for the priority of the kingdom of God, for the priority of God's agenda and schedule. And I would call my wife. I said, look, honey, we might have to go down to one car, maybe even bicycles. We might have to sacrifice because of this decision. It does, it's not a smart decision according to the ways of man. Our children are in private school, but God was faithful in abundance. God was faithful beyond measure. And we, he, he, he really blessed us and he's always prospered us and we've never lacked anything. He's always been a faithful God. I wanted to leave this as a roadmap for this year because just because I can doesn't mean that that's your roadmap. Just because you can is the utterance of fools that don't know where they're going and they're living life without purpose. But in this house, we have purpose. We have significance. We've loved the things that God loves. We love the church. Restoring the gates is our book to that charge. Our concern is that after we're gone, will there be people that will be just as passionate in our children that will keep this thing going to pursue the vision of God? When I had this conversation with Joshua, my second son, about five years ago, he was still coming out of high school. I said, my concern is that you're not drawing the lines the way God has given them. And he says, Dad, I'm going to draw them better than you. I'm going to take this to another level of expression of excellence than what you have done. I said, I hope so. I hope that that is true, that you carry the passion and the burden in your father's heart so that you could raise up the kingdom of God. And so I think that this Sunday service gives that purpose that we would be filled with the spirit of God, that we would love the things of God. We know that people are falling and failing out because they have loved the things of this world uh, at another level. They're called carnal Christians. They, they run based on the flesh. They want us to cater to the flesh. Um, there in Colossians 3 verse 1, the Bible tells us since we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, we're looking for the things that are above. If you were raised, look at the, the, the question is if, or the condition, if, if, if you were truly raised with Christ, if he really rescued you, then seek those things which are above. We're not talking about any more 401ks or where we're going to retire because that's not our priority. We're not talking about those things. We're seeking those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. Quit thinking in an earthly bound mindset. Quit having your thoughts. And I can't stand these conversations, especially among Christians, because God will always outdo what our concern and worry is if we seek his kingdom first. Verse three, for you died. If in fact you did die and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now the life we now live, verse four, um, when Christ, who is our life, appears, when you also will appear with him in glory. We're, we're, we're accompanying a higher level of existence when we walk in faith, not when we are uh, down and, and uh, great preachers of the past says, you want to get flustered and you want to get depressed? Look at life from your vantage point. You want to raise way above depression? Then look according to the filter of God's eyes and purpose. He's destined you for glory. He's destined you for high places. Verse 5, therefore, put
put to death those members that are on the earth. Put to death your passions, your uncleanness, your evil desires, your covetousness, which are all idolatry. When things come into the crossroads of stealing God's purpose to pursue earthly bound purposes, you, my friend, are worshiping created things and not the creator. 1 Corinthians 3.1, Paul would say, I wish I could have spoken to you as spiritual people, but not carnal. It really stinks to come here week after week reminding people that they're Christians and they're called to Christian duty. That they're Christians and they're called to Christian priorities. That they're Christians and called to do the things of God above their own things. And these are but babes in Christ. We have 20-year-old babes in Christ still are not part of any significant leadership in the things of God. Verse 2, I wanted to speak to you as spiritual and I fed you with milk and not with solid food because until now you were unable to receive it. And even now you are still not able. That God has concerned ourselves with the nations of the earth. When we read Psalm 2 verse 8, it was significant. God tells us, ask me for the nations and I'll give you the ends of the earth. I will give you the nations. Ask of me, I'll give you the nations. For your inheritance, the end of the earth for your possession. God's agenda far surpasses our puny little concerns. God is able to equip us. When Pastor Richie got to the church three years ago, he says, look, I want to become a part of your church, but promise me we're not going to own any airplanes. And I said, listen, buddy, if we're going to change the world, we're going to need a fleet of airplanes. So fix your theology a little bit. If God wants to give us airplanes, we're going to have airplanes. And we're going to have pilots. And our sons are going to fly to nations to take the good news of the gospel. They'll be faithful to God. I have no doubt that God wants to give us everything according to our maturity. Father, I thank you today for we were in your presence. And we were talking about your matters. And we were concerning ourselves with your affairs. Father... Give us a heart of flesh and take a heart of stone out of us. Give us a heart that concerns the kingdom of God and its righteousness and not what I'm going to eat, drink, and wear. Not where I'm going to live, Lord. Allow your blessing in my life to overtake me to standards far above what eyes have seen, what ears have heard, and what's entered into the heart of men. We pray, Father God, that you restore and heal this place and that we will return to the place where we are clear about who we are and who you are and we're not living according to just because I can because we can do a lot of things Lord but we have chosen and our heart desire is that one thing to be at your feet and to serve you with excellence of our strength mind and heart oh God allow us to be a blessing to your people upon the planet and to be a blessing to the church and to the lost, and to cities that know not God. Make us the ambassadors of heaven to speak the things that concern your kingdom, Lord. For you have brought us out of darkness to your marvelous light, and you've given us a spirit of excellence to desire the things above and not the things below. We glorify you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.